Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Welcome to Space Junk. My name is Annie Handler and I research international space cooperation, space law and strategic space diplomacy. Earlier this month, I travelled to Bremen in northern Germany for the 69th Annual International Astronautical Congress. The Congress brings together scientists, policymakers, academics, space lawyers, players in the commercial and military industries, students, young professionals and national agencies, all with one common interest space. The first IAC was held in 1950 in Paris. The following year the IAF, the International Astronautical Federation, was founded. The IAF, the International Academy of Astronautics and the International Institute of Space Law co-host the IAC every year in a different member state city. The IAF is a non-governmental organisation which seeks to create the conditions for international cooperation through enabling dialogue from space scientists around the world. Its motto, Astronautica ad parcem hominumque progressum, translates to Astronautics towards peace and human progress. During the space race, the IAF was one of the few forums where opposing sides could meet to discuss space-related activity. Since 2002, the Space Generation Advisory Council, SGAC, has held its annual meeting directly before the IAC. The SGAC is a non-government organisation which represents the views of students and young space professionals aged mostly between 18 and 35. It aims to bring the views of students and young space professionals to the United Nations, space industry and other organisations. The network has over 13,000 members in 150 countries, including myself. This was the first time I've ever been to an IAC, and with very little idea of what I was doing or what I should expect, I simply showed up with a backpack and an Australian accent. As on most occasions, this was sufficient preparation to have one of the most surprising, overwhelming and enjoyable experiences of my life. First stop was the opening ceremony. In a stadium filled with 6,500 people, the world-famous Bremen Symphony Orchestra performed a selection of space-inspired music, accompanied by visual projections, laser light shows, and a small troupe of acrobats. I managed to pick my jaw up off the floor and record some of it for your enjoyment.
following five days were packed full of plenary sessions, talks from space lawyers, scientists, policymakers, and titans of industry, and exploring the exhibition hall, where national agencies and big primes like Lockheed, Northrop, Boeing, and Airbus were displaying their technology alongside smaller space tech companies. This was also the first year that Australia has had a unified presence in the mildly amusingly named Australian Space, where our new space agency was the star attraction, possibly due to the thousands of branded clippy koalas they were handing out, but possibly also because people were genuinely excited to see Australia entering the industry. I spoke to Dr Phil Crosby from the CSIRO about the reception to Australia's presence this year and about his thoughts on IAC. I'm here at IAC at the Australian booth with Phil Crosby from the CSIRO. Phil, how are you? Oh, I'm really good. Having a great week. Excellent. Can you tell us a bit about what you do and why you're here? Okay, so I work with uh, CSIRO Astronomy and Space Science and uh, I'm not an astronomer, I'm, uh, I'm an engineer and a senior manager with uh, Astronomy and Space Science. So I build, help build telescopes and uh, more and more we're moving into the space science realm, which is about uh, solar system and orbital type uh, space things. Awesome. What brings you to IAC in Bremen? Well, I'm here on the uh, Australian stand, which is the first time Australia's had an official stand at IAC at, uh, this year at Bremen, and um, off the back of the launch of the new space agency. So CSIRO certainly wants to be front and centre in that. That's super exciting. What's the response been like? It's been fantastic. It's kind of, it's actually on two levels. The, um, uh, at the intergovernment level, it's been really incredible to see the, the speed at which the space agency has kind of made those um, links with the other space agencies. We're kind of in the club now. <laughs> and uh, on the, on the uh, I guess, the more CSIRO practical delivery side, um, we're getting all kinds of interesting conversations going about building stuff for space, maybe launching off um, one or two places that have been identified in Australia, and generally just being in the game. That's fantastic. So you think uh, the future's bright for Australia's space I, industry? Look, I really think it is. I mean, we've talked about STEM for a while, um, and that's sort of been in the traditional avenues of education and, and eventually jobs and employment. But space has opened up, excuse the pun, but you know, a whole new space uh, in, uh, for, for young people and uh, a real solid future in a, in a discipline that we, we excel at already. That's very exciting. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, no problem. As with anywhere in the world, an Australian accent can be heard from across the room, even when that room is filled with a thousand other people. But it soon became clear that there was an even easier way to find fellow Aussies. Follow the free drinks. I caught up with Paddy Newman from Newman Space at the International Student Zone Drinks on Thursday at the IAC conference. Paddy, as one of Australia's leading space companies uh, and the head of that, and in fact, the reason for its existence. Oh, you're flattering me too much, Annie. Oh, yeah. Flattery will get you anywhere. What do you think about IAC this year? I think it's the usual awesome conference and all the usual terrible conference. There are so many people here to meet and there's only one of me. There are so many technical sessions I want to be at and there's only bloody one of me. But the conversations I've had, the people I've met, people I've caught up with and shown what our company's been doing, this has all been very, very good for us. And you can walk around, see what everyone's doing, see all the cool things people are doing in the world. 
I've said it before and I'll say it again, this is Disneyland for space kids. What do you think of the Australian Space Agency? First year that we've got a present at, a presence at IAC. Have they been helpful? Have they been a hindrance? What do you think? First year we've had a unified presence under a single Australian banner at IAC and it's been great. The meetings that they have been, uh, been leading uh, the organisation of, the networking that they have fostered, their, oh, have you met this guy? Have you met this person? Do you know this woman's activities? All of these things are fantastic. It's the sort of reputation building, the sort of networking you just can't get anywhere else without a good single point of contact, which is what the Australian Space Agency, in part, was designed to do and be. And they've been, they've been hitting every ball for six, as far as I can tell. Oh, it's great to hear. And have you got anything you want to plug? I've been wandering around. We've been all having a lot of drinks and a lot of receptions around. And we're in Bremen. And they have the Bex Brewery here, which is justifiably world famous as a quite palatable beer. But I'm a little bit sad I'm not seeing anything from Four Pines, especially their Vostok Space Beer. It's a TRL 5 beer. They just need to do the microgravity drinking experiment to justify a TRL 6 rating on their beer. And I look forward to the day when you can get one of these at an orbital resort and just kick back and watch the world go by, literally. Thanks so much, Patty. It's been great talking to you. Absolute pleasure. No worries. But space is not just about industry. And I was enchanted to meet a space geologist mere minutes after speaking with Patty. I've just met Elise Harrington from the European Astronaut Centre. Is that correct, Elise? That is correct. So what do you do? So I'm uh, Canadian by nationality, but I am taking part in the European Space Agency's Young Graduate Trainee Program. Uh, fortunately, Canada being a participating, cooperating state in ESA en enables me to take part in that experience. Phenomenal. How have you enjoyed IAC? Is this your first year? This is my second year. Actually, last year I was sponsored by the Canadian Space Agency to attend in Adelaide. Uh, and that what did was you fantastic. Think? What did you think of Australia? It was wonderful. I turned it into a vacation, as one does. Um, I got to see a lot of your country, from Canberra to Melbourne to the Great Barrier Reef to Adelaide, of course. And a lot of good geology in Australia? Absolutely. In fact, we went out to the outback where there's the Woomera rocket range that you guys are well known for. And that was very geologically interesting as well. Uh, I think that the Flinders in parts is used as a Mars analogue because of the um, geology being fairly similar and the, the topography. Yeah, um, so Australia in general, you guys have a few uh, impact craters which are very useful as terrestrial analogue sites for places on the Moon or Mars. And you also do have abundant sedimentary geology and that is very uh, important for the search of life that we are looking for on Mars and the types of ancient environments represented there. And what do you think about the Australian Space Agency? On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you? So I was very fortunate to be there when it was announced in Adelaide last year. And I will say that I was very excited because only a few days beforehand, I was talking to a professor in planetary geology at uh, the Australian National University in Canberra. And I was interested in potentially doing a PhD in Australia. And she told me, with honesty to look elsewhere because there wasn't really any sort of drive for space in Australia in that kind of field. But I can see that entirely changing now that you guys do have a space agency and I'm really excited to see where that goes. Fantastic. Thanks so much for chatting to me. You're welcome. It's great to meet you. You're welcome. Thank you. Alex Lenosia has the useful attribute of being not only Australian and therefore at the same drinks event, but also about two heads taller than anyone else. Fresh from various academic and industry sessions, and fueled at this point by several drinks events, including from the Japanese space agency who served sake, 
Alex was more than happy to chat about all things space with me, complete with a game of buzzword bingo. I'm here at the International Student Zone at IAC with Alex Lanosia of Innovore Technologies from Australia. Alex, uh, can you tell me a bit about what you do? Sure, Innovore is a uh, small satellite manufacturer in Adelaide, Australia. We're the only current satellite manufacturer in the country. Uh, my background is a, as an aerospace engineer, a space engineer, and then also as a uh, drilling engineer for ExxonMobil. So I've got a bit of a wide range of experiences that aren't that common. My role at Innovore is to work as an aerospace engineer technically, but also mostly doing business development and project management stuff. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, What's your comment on the observation that you're at the International Student Zone for the Free Champagne? Um, that's completely accurate and true. And I think seeing as Innovore's stand is part of the Australian Space Stand, yes. it's only reasonable that we uh, continue the traditions of the Australian people in uh, accepting any and all free drinks made available to us. That's excellent. That's, uh, that's a good attitude to have. Alex, what are your thoughts on the Australian Space Agency? I think it's great. I think they've done, they had a unique opportunity. We sort of, we left it really late and we should have had a space agency years ago, but because we didn't, and we didn't start it up sort of 10 years ago, we were in a really unique position where we had a country with a very advanced economy, advanced manufacturing skills and really good research facilities. Um, but we waited until space 4.0 and the new space came along. And by doing that, we were able to take full advantage of this uh, growing commercial industry without the baggage of traditional space that most other countries now carry with them. Where do you think that interfaces with defence and issues like cyber? Look, basically it's all about defence is going to be the major customer in Australia for cyber, for space, information systems in general. And as the world progresses, you've got to sort of synergise between these, all these different organisations across the country. It's all about working together to try and keep the country safe, keep the country growing, give jobs, give money, everyone's happy. Sure, so there's a strong element of um, multi-stakeholderism. Absolutely. Multi-stakeholderism is the sort of number one concern in the Australian Space Agency. Do you see Australia partnering with other nations on big data and um, space situational awareness? Basically, we already are. We're already making full right. advantage of Space 2.0, Space 3.0, Space 4.0 to try and really bring in the advantages into the country. It's all about commercialisation. Commercialisation. What, what do you think Space 5.0 looks like? Look, Space 5.0, to be honest, is probably an economy that's based off the planet Earth. That would be my sort of uh, vision for the next stage in the development of this industry. It's a long way off still, but I think Space 4.0, we've got to the 4.0, we've got to the commercialisation spot, and now it's about not having that link back to Earth industries. Sort of an extraterrestrialisation. Extraterrestrialisation, yeah, exactly. Very cool, very cool. Um, and how, how have you found IAC? Is this your first IAC? This is my second IAC. I was in okay. Adelaide last year. How does it compare? Do you think that Australia did a better job? I mean, the wine was much better in Adelaide than it is here. The Germans aren't known, apart from Riesling, but they haven't found any of that yet. So, uh, the wine was much better last year. But um, I also like the fact there were more Australians last year. Well, there are a lot of Australians here this year. And we have a space agency this time, which is also top. So, I'd say my vote is for last year, but, you know, I'm a bit biased. It is pretty cool having an Australian space... Uh, it, it's a terrible pun that they've called the Australian corner the Australian space and yep. left it at that. I think the Europeans don't get it. That's quite possible, but that, that is a bit of a problem with Australian humour in general, I think. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, something you've got to address and 
certainly if we're looking at forming commercial partnerships and strategic partnerships um, across nations in areas such as um, big data and, and, and cooperative awareness for defence purposes, we'll, we might have to address that issue. Yes. I think so. I think so. Thank you very much. No worries. IAC is occasionally criticised for a lack of diversity, and this year there was a specific focus on the three Gs, gender, generation and geography. I had a chat with Carl Domjan of Boeing Australia about diversity at IAC and the Space Generation Advisory Council. Carl Domjan and I have crashed the ZAM booth at IAC in the Exhibition Hall, um, and you can hear the buzz around us. Carl, what do you do? Hey Annie, yeah it's good to be here. Um, some call me Sven because of my blonde hair. Um, but I'm currently a systems engineer working at Boeing Defence Australia, so on aircraft. Um, but I'm just trying to manage to you know, talk to as many people as possible and potentially con my way into the space industry. Fair enough. Aren't we all trying to do that? <laughs> <laughs> How have you enjoyed the IAC so far? Oh, like, you know, everyone says um, it's awesome inspiring but also at the same time really tiring and overwhelming um, talking to a million and one people um, mm. technical sessions planning sessions great but it's really you know, being able to talk to people and learn about different ideas they have for us I think there's been a real focus this year on diversity particularly generational diversity and I've been told that the number of young people here this year is unusual so the level of partying is also unusual can you comment on that? Um, you know, one, one might say I've done my fair share of late night networking. Um, and yeah, it is good to see about half of the attendees are younger people, under, under 35. Um, but there's still a bit of work to go. We had the uh, 3G Diversity Lunch Space Generation Advisory Council did win the Diversity Award. Congratulations. Um, yeah, that was cool. But then directly afterwards, we saw four old white men give another old white man an award for space stuff. So I think it's got still a little bit of a way to go to get through that. Yeah, I heard that the official stat was at roughly 20% women this year at IAC. That's a start. That's, that's better than my uh, engineering class, actually. Really? Yeah. Okay, so to me that sounds ridiculously low, yeah. but looking around I can see it's probably true. Well, Jean-Yves Legal, steamed IAF president, said back 15 years ago this whole conference was literally just an old man congress and it's getting better though well you and i are doing our bit for that yeah um can i ask you unexpected question space generation advisory council what is it yeah so long backstory um essentially the u.n united nations committee for the peace of uses of outer space thought it would be a good idea to get young people involved. So they started the Space Generation Advisory Council to advise them on what young people believe we should be doing in space. Fast forward, I think about 20 or 30 years, um, we've got 13,000 members all over the world, all young, under 35, super keen about space from all disciplines, not just engineers, um, but law, policy, art, culture, etc. Well, it's really, yes, I, I'm a yeah, member myself, exactly. which is proof that they'll take anyone. <laughs> well, you know, we're all inclusive here. It's very kind. Final question. Australia's Space Agency. They've obviously um, been... Well, we've had quite a good profile here at IAC this year. 
We've got a whole corner dedicated to Australia and the, the space agency Clippy Koalas have been very hot property around the conference. But aside from that, any reflections on the space agency and where you see Australia going with space? Well, it's a long time coming and they've had quite a bit of momentum recently. So they only you know, started beginning of July. Now they've signed agreements with the French space agency, UK, Canada, etc., etc. So hopefully they can keep that momentum um, because knowing back to the past, there's been many attempts to start space stuff in Australia. Um, and hopefully the politicians who got burnt 10 years ago, um, that doesn't play out and affect our future. So it seems yeah. bright. Um, and if you if you met Dr. Megan Clark, she's lovely, great, great fun to talk to. Um, so hopefully we're able to find that niche we're involved in, but that niche shouldn't be too narrow. Okay. Let's get on the world stage. Let's do something cool. Okay. Australian module on the ISS. I don't know. That sounds pretty cool. Would you like to be an astronaut? Oh, who wouldn't? I'm not sure I would. No. Although I did, I did do the VR um, over at, was it Boeing or Airbus? Oh, Airbus, I think. Airbus, yes. And the Airbus VR um, ISS payload manoeuvre, mm -hmm. and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Well, you'll have to come to the Boeing stand, because we have both the ISS and DSS Gateway Flyby. And you can dock the Starliner with the ISS. I'd like Subtle to do Boeing that. plug, because I currently work there. That's fair enough. You're allowed to plug Boeing if you work there. It's, it's totally allowed. All right. Well, I think that's it all. Unless there's anything else you want to mention, raise, discuss, comments, questions. ISE next year will be in Washington. Massive year um, with NASA and everything going on in space in the States. However, I don't think the beer will be as good. That is a concern. I certainly think there'll be fewer pretzels as well. Mm. Uh, definitely a concern but maybe the wine will be better I've heard complaints this year German wine probably not the best in the world but that's okay that's all right thanks Annie. thank you so much great talking to you while the Australian Space Agency at this stage seems to be focused firmly on civil industry the presence of military space tech providers like Lockheed Northrop and Boeing had got me thinking more about the militarization and weaponization of space and what this might mean for our future Ben Piggott and I settled in for a longer conversation on Australia's role in space in this and other areas. I'm here at the International Astronautical Congress and I'm chatting to Ben Piggott, who's an Australian who I've found here, um, hanging out at the Australian stand. So it's a bit noisy, but um, Ben, how are you finding it? It's pretty interesting, Annie. Hi. Um, Pleasure to be here. So I'm working on the on the COSPAR 2020 stand, uh, the Committee for uh, Space Science and Research, which is having uh, their meeting in Sydney in uh, in 2020. Um, it's been really interesting so far. We've seen some, I guess, a, a bit of interest from uh, from Megan Clark, the the head of the agency. What I thought was interesting was the interaction she's had with other space agencies around mm -hmm. the world and. The, she mentioned that they'd signed some agreements with them, so I think it'll be interesting to see what the what the content of those agreements is, and for sure, and and where that fits in. And I thought it was interesting that she mentioned agreements with uh, with Kness, the French agency, and one with Britain, mm. um, but nothing about the EU, uh, the European Space Agency yet. 
Not yet, but perhaps that will happen soon. She did hint that there would be some announcements coming up in the next week or so. Yeah. So um, keep so, an ear out. Yeah, that's right. So I'll be following that closely, I think. Um, particularly in light of, of what we heard at the, at the Space Law Symposium this morning, mm. um, which was, I think, was, it was very European um, in that um, they talked a lot about uh, the importance of a multilateral approach uh, to space and, um, and, and using space to achieve common goals, I think. It was particularly interesting in the wake of um, discussions between, well, Trump and Angela Merkel about um, multilateralism versus patriotism and the various influences at play. And yeah, definitely there's a strong emphasis on multilateralism when it comes to space, cooperation and basically working together. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I think it'll, I mean, to me it feels important that Australia, that Australia's doing that. We can't, we can't afford to do anything by ourselves. If we can be seen to, to be doing that, I think that that is important. Um, if Australia is going to have a leadership role in, in anything in space, I think that that's, uh, that's how we'll need to behave as a, as a country. For sure. Ben, would you mind um, telling us a little bit about your background and what brings you here? So you mentioned COSPA, but what, what do you do sure. the rest so the, of your time? Yeah, COSPA was something I sort of fell into uh, because the head of UNSW Canberra Space is the chair. Um, and that's where I am about to finish, actually, my master's degree in space operations. Um, so I'll be done with that in the next couple of months. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I, uh, I'm a naval officer is my, is my day job. Um, master's degree part-time and I do a little bit of volunteering for a, uh, for a think tank called the Institute for Regional Security. Um, so I guess space is a little bit of a nexus between those things um, mm -hmm. and, and ties into my, uh, my master's degree um, because there's sort of a, there's a national security aspect to space, um, there's a science aspect, there's a, there's a sort of strategic policy aspect from a, from a government point of view. So obviously there's been a strong emphasis from the space agency on industry and a lot of people will be familiar with space from a science and technology perspective or, um, or even some of us from an international cooperation perspective. But where does national security come into that and how does Australia fit? Sure. So yeah, it's just important to keep in mind that space technology is, is dual use fundamentally. And that, by that I mean you can, um, you can just as easily use geospatial data for, for national security purposes as you can for, for commercial purposes. And that means that it's important to get the, um, the regulatory approach right so that we can achieve our national security goals without stepping on industry's toes. Um, mm. And also so that, we can, um, so that we can do foreign policy in a, in a cooperative way because we don't want to be, um, we don't want to have such a myopic view of our national security that we let it impede our cooperation in space with other countries. I mean, I haven't really heard anything from the Australian Space Agency on that. Um, the focus seems very much to be on trade and industry rather than international cooperation from a security standpoint. But do you think that, that that is going on? Or do you think it's going to become more of a focus as the budget perhaps gets increased? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's tough to say. You're right. We have, certainly have seen um, an approach, uh, an industry-centric approach, sort of, I guess, almost to the exclusion of a lot of other things. But I think that that is more a factor of their, of their budget and personnel at the moment than it is, than it is anything else. Um, 
but um, but like you, I think I'll, I'll follow it quite closely over the next next few months. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, from, a, from a certain standpoint, they only got started in July, so we've only been going for a few months. And to be honest, it's probably um, difficult to sell the idea of a space agency as being related to national security. It's much easier to sell it as kind of, to, to the general public, I mean, as, as a science-based, industry-based kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that, I think that that is, that, that feels right, you know? Mm. Um, and I think that as, that as the agency sort of matures, it'll, maybe they'll be able to take on a bit more of that role. I don't know. But you're right, it's definitely easiest to, to build support uh, by coming out from an industry point of view. You mentioned science, and I'm, I'm not sure I've actually heard them talk about science once yet. No. It seems like science is taking quite a back foot at the moment. Yeah, um, and I, I wonder how much of that is, is due to the fact that a, a lot of that role is in, is in CSIRO at the moment. Yeah. Um, and is there, I guess, some, some efficiency to be gained from, from leaving it there? I don't mm. know. Um, and probably the same with international cooperation. There's you know, a bit of silence there as well, and they're just getting started. They're probably still working out where the boundaries between CSIRO, DFAT, Defence, the Space Agency um, and other industry bodies. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how, how that develops. Because DFAT, of course, is, is responsible for, um, for managing how we participate in, in arms control regimes, like mm. the, the missile technology control agreement um, and things like that, and a lot of that, is, that's what I mean about the dual use nature yep. of space. Yeah, so we've, um, we talk about that a little bit on this podcast, but basically the idea that, as I understand it, you can, um, you can have a, a laser that, for example, could get rid of space junk um, by nudging it slightly out of orbit so it burns up quicker or by vaporising it theoretically, um, but that same laser would be a weapon of warfighting capability if that was the context and the use to which it was put. And the same goes for all sorts of surveillance technologies. So you could, you could use a surveillance satellite to uh, check how your crops are growing in the middle of Australia, but you could equally use it to look at what other countries are doing or, or even what Australia is doing and keep an eye on things. Um, so the, the dual use thing is, uh, I think, it's not even dual use, it's sort of multi-use. Yeah, for sure. It's quite broad. Yeah, um, and I think it it'll be really interesting to see what that what that does to our society over the next few years, because um, there'll there'll be some really big changes as we get uh, more and more accurate and um, and timely geospatial data, especially. I think is mm. is one of the biggest ones. Well, especially since we've got in Australia, we've got such a big coastline and a lot of area that we've got to keep an eye on and we don't have that many people to do it so using technology to do that is useful. Yeah for sure um, and to and we, we heard uh, Dr Clark speak about uh, remote asset management today as well and there, mm. there's all sorts of roles that we can use that uh, that qual good better quality data for in uh, in managing remote assets around the country too. You've, you've been sitting at the booth for a little while over the last day or two. Um, what's, what's the attitude been from people? Um, people are, are excited about uh, are about Australia, whether whether they're Australians or, or from all around the world. They're 
they're excited to see Australia turn up and, and start participating. Um, Why do you think that to, is? Um, one of the things I like about, about space is it has this really good unifying energy and everyone you meet in that, that comes to a space conference is excited to be there and is excited about the possibilities. Mm. Um, and I think everyone is, is excited to see another country stepping up and, um, and coming to the party to, to see what we can contribute to, the, to, the, to humanity, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, that, it sounds a little bit, oh. a bit high-minded, I guess, but, but I hope that's what it is. Well, it's been lovely talking to you, Ben. Thanks so much. Thanks, Annie. Having found just about every Australian at IAC, I caught up with Matthias Korner from the German Aerospace Centre, DLR, to find out more about what he does and to get an outsider's perspective on the Australian Space Agency. I've caught up with Matthias Kerner from DLR. Matthias, what do you do? Well, I'm an engineer and scientist at the German Aerospace Center DLR here in Bremen and working in the department and field of guidance navigation and control. Very cool. And um, how have you enjoyed IAC so far? I think the IAC is a, it's an amazing networking event. It's, I've met a lot of people, interesting people, and uh, yeah, I think I have also made very, uh, very good connections, which uh, in future may, yeah, may lead to very good collaborations. Yeah, it certainly feels, being here at IAC, that space is a global thing. Exactly. And it's, it's very unusual to be able to, well, as an Australian, it's very yeah. unusual to be able to rub shoulders with so many people from around the world. Um, yeah. In that spirit, we just got our first Australian space agency. I've heard so, yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, well, for me, the Australian Space Agency is a very big unknown, uh, apart from maybe some collaborations uh, the European agencies had in a sense of communication or other, other agencies has uh, Australian being a, a platform on the other on the other side of the world so mm. but not very known for an own space program or such no I think that's something that our space agency is going to have to really work on um, mm -hmm. communicating what we can do and at the same time developing our capabilities so that we can partner with other countries in a meaningful way. Yeah, well, uh, the agencies are getting more and more global and more, more collaboration is uh, being planned also for the future among the, the biggest agencies in general. So yeah, it would, be, it would be great that everyone gets involved. Thanks so much, it was great to talk to you. Thank you, it was very great to talk to you. IAC would not have been complete without Yuri's night. Usually held annually on April 12th, Yuri's Night is a space-themed party held worldwide to celebrate the launch of Yuri Gagarin in Sputnik in 1961. The first Yuri's Night was held in 2001, and by 2011, Wikipedia tells me that there were 100,000 participants at 567 separate parties held in 75 countries. The 2018 IAC Yuri's Night was held in an old cinema, which had been converted into a club in Bremen's suburbs. It was attended by approximately 800 young space nerds from around the world, who danced until 3am when we were thrown out. The club featured space-themed decorations and laser light displays, smoke machines, a projector showing footage of rocket launches and landings, a heroic DJ combining German techno with international classics and space-themed music and a circular roof that opened to the sky to show the stars above us. 
I'll leave you with a selection from the opening ceremony performance by the Bremen Symphony Orchestra.
Thank you for listening to Space Junk. If you would like to find out more about international space cooperation or anything else in this podcast, you can tweet me at at ahandmer. That's at A-H-A-N-D-M-E-R. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.